0: Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. We long to see the body of Christ look like Jesus. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact and donate. And don't forget to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast app to be notified when new episodes come out each Tuesday. Go, leave a rating and review, it's easy. It only takes a second, and it helps us find new listeners to the show. Just go to the show page on the app you are using right now and hit five stars. Thank you so much. Previous guests on the show have included J.R. Woodward, Neil Cole, and Jesse Cruikshank. You could go back, listen to those episodes, and more. But today's guest is Un K. Strasser. Un is the co-vocational lead pastor of Ma Ka AloO. O. It means presence in Hawaii. I think that's a great name. Uh, Maka'ala'o is a non denominational missional community multiplying in Honolulu, Hawaii. She's also a community physician at Ke'olopono and an executive leader at the V3 movement. Un has written a fantastic new book called Centering Discipleship. Un and I have a great conversation around discipleship and community. How do we imitate Jesus together so that we can look like him and we can move toward our neighbor in mission? We talk through the elements of formation and rhythms and examples that move our community towards one that centers Jesus and discipleship towards him. There are a lot of gems in Un's story. I know you're going to enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Un K. Strasser. And welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: No problem, Josh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really excited to, to dig deep into uh, Century Discipleship, what it looks like to to make disciples uh, and make disciples that are mature. And, and we can center discipleship instead of all the other stuff that we typically do in a Western church context. Um, I would love to hear your journey of how did you get into this place of looking more at discipleship as central and crucial uh, instead of a just a typical church meeting on a Sunday?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. It probably might be a little bit of a long answer, but I try to be as concise as possible. Um, I think that, Honestly, I think that discipleship and centering discipleship isn't uh, a unique question that, that I have come up with. I think that probably if you're involved in any way in the church, you know, whatever level of leadership, I think that this question comes up in some version or form uh, at at some point in a leader's life. So um, uh, whether it's at at a a lower level of of leadership or at the highest level. So I think that um, the, the question around discipleship is not a new one. I think figuring out a little bit more, defining it, putting, you know, meat on the bones to what it actually is, has been probably a journey that many leaders are still going through, I think. So I think for, for for me, discipleship has always been really really important. It probably started out with just like one on one discipleship. I've discipled in a, a, a ten year span. I discipled fifty different different people, and usually people are just like, "That's amazing!" You know, it must be like a discipleship guru, right? It must be really really important to her and things. But I think that I've been in church planting for over a decade now, and uh, specifically to Uh, in, in church planting world, I think that discipleship doing it one-on-one has been much more akin to like Mm self-help kind of things or like mentorship programs, right? Like we probably borrow a lot more from our current culture and what feels like cultural needs than what we actually think discipleship is. So, um, I think that that I first noticed a, a need for centering discipleship, defining it a little bit more clear, um, get, gathering tools around it, really being equipped for it. Um, when I realized like most of the people who have been discipled in that one-on-one and people feel so loved, right? Like one-on-one discipleship is awesome because you feel so loved by that leader, right? But like, you know, a lot of times people like still continue to make like unwise decisions Stay stuck in like in in, in uh, immaturity. Uh, sometimes it feels like you, if you just stick with this one relationship, that that covers over um, being a part of a whole community, right? Mm. Uh, different things like that. So I think that that um, you know picking up and noticing those kinds of things. It didn't really matter at, at, at that point. Like how many people you know I I had discipled, right? It's really looking at are actually these people. Is discipleship actually making a difference in these people's lives, right? Um, I think my journey is also a little bit more unique because um, I'm I'm not a typical pastor. Um, I'm co-vocational. I'm a physician. Uh, you know, I have a re- a quote unquote different kind of day day job. I don't do um, a ministry as my full time vocation, um, and I've always uh, I've always uh, been doing life that that way and being a part of um, a pastoral team and. And being a physician at the same time, mm. so you know, noticing you know from a health perspective, uh, uh, being a community member, community leader, and not just being in this vortex of, of church world, right? Yeah. Um. How you know, really, really said like, oh, um, it, it helped me to kind of identify. Oh, I think that a lot of what's happening in, uh, church, field, is very akin to to mentorship, and that probably isn't what discipleship. Um, is so i think that a lot of these uh questions were, were coming around um just being able to straddle uh both both kinds of, uh, of ways of living you know different vocations um even living in, in different parts of the world, I, you know, um, I was born in, in South Korea, my family immigrated to Philly, did all, most of my growing up, had all my babies, you know, got married, had all my babies in Philadelphia, and then we moved to to Hawaii. So uh, um, being a, a transitioning person, uh, in many ways in Hawaii, a displaced person, I knew that discipleship couldn't just be like a cookie cutter a uh, kind of method, right? What works in in Philadelphia as an East Coaster, uh, people love to read. Uh, um, intellectual value is really, really high, right? Mm-hmm. But but in Hawaii, it's like Pacifica. It's you know, people are much more laid back. A lot of the value points aren't the same, right? Uh, so so discipleship has, has to look different in in the unique places that we live. So I think those kinds of things help me to figure out, um, begin to want to go into uh, that journey of like, hey, I really would love it if we could figure this out and what are the actual tools that leaders actually need to yeah. make necessary changes in their
0: communities. Yeah, uh, you hit on a lot of things. There's a lot of threads that we could pull, but I'd love to start, and I'm gonna pull some of those threads in a little bit, uh, but I'd love to start of what is Jesus's call to us? as his disciples, uh, as followers of Jesus, what are we called to do?
1: Yeah, I, I love that question because if we don't ask that question, then we'll never really, really know what discipleship is, right? We can yes. make up a whole bunch of things around it. So um I think that it comes in two parts. It's gonna sound super cliche, so I'm gonna go not the, you know, love God, love people. I'm not gonna go that route, but it'll probably sound like it. And at the end of the day, you'll be like, so, and you're saying, he's just probably telling us to love God and love people. <laughs> yes, Joshua Johnson, that's what I'm saying. Um, I think that Jesus's call to his disciples is, um, I think it's in in two different things. I think it's imitate me um, as I imitate the father, but imitate me in the context of community. Mm -hmm. I think if you take those two things down, I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. If you think about like, you know, the the very well overused sayings that Jesus has said. But like people use these things in, in when we're talking about discipleship, right? The 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 you know the the Great Commission, you know, um, all authority's been given to me. I'm sending you guys out, go and make disciples of all nations. I'm gonna be with you forever, right? Like when we're when we're kind of looking at that Matthew 28 passage, I think that people really miss a point. You know, I think earlier on when um Missionaries from the U.S. and the U.K. were being sent out in droves, right, uh, to all uh, to the ends of the earth, right. It really felt like an emphasis was on that go, right, with to, to the best of your ability, just go out. We're going to send you out. Go, 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 and um, uh, convert. People so that they will identify as Christians over other religions, right? There's there 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 isn't anything wrong with that, but I think that as we have seen, probably in, in this day, and in your own experience with with, yeah. with being you know outside of the US, right, that there have been remnants probably more of um, colonizing culturally certain parts of the world than yeah. it has been about. Making imitators of Jesus within a uh, context of community—that is uh, unique and uh, for the flourishing of that that unique part of the world. Mm-hmm. So I do I do think that that's like a two part piece that Jesus emphasizes equally. That it's to imitate Him, yeah. not anybody else. It's to imitate Him, but but this only is done well in a loving. Community that is out for the renewal of their their neighbors and their neighborhoods and the mm-hmm. community that that they actually in real life live in.
0: Yeah, I was down in uh, in Brazil teaching at a, a church planting conference. Uh, I w- was teaching around APAS Ephesians four um, and to really embody Jesus. What does it look like to be like Jesus? Uh, and somebody came up to me afterwards and says, "How come the church has never been taught this? How come we have this?" solo, heroic, central, pastor, leader, and we don't have a community of believers being discipled uh, into the likeness of Jesus together. Uh, and I had to repent as a, as a white uh, mission leader from the West and say, hey, I repent that we've actually exported something that wasn't completely holistic. It wasn't completely there. So as you said, as people went and go, There are all sorts of people that did incredible things and amazing things um, and discipled well. But there's also people that also just transported their own Western culture or any other culture and transplanted it onto the the culture in the other part of the world. Um, And it didn't really work. Uh, And we can see remnants of it that's not working very well but that core piece in the great commission is to make disciples that's the 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 core is to make disciples and Jesus tells us how to do it right he says to to teach people to obey everything i've commanded so basically everything that i'm commanding everything that i am we want you to actually put into practice and do it and you're going to help others do it and you know he's saying this to a group of people um and he's not saying it to individuals so because we're we've I have, and you have, been raised in the West. We have a very individualistic mindset of it is personal one-on-one discipleship. How can we move into a place where it is communal, it is about the community, and the community is shaping and molding people into the likeness of Jesus?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is this is probably the hardest question because you know I get I get asked that question a lot, right? Like you know, um, you know, I co- coach and consult a whole bunch of planters and remissioning pastors, and they're just always like, okay, just okay, just just what 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 you, can you just give me what the thing is? And I'm just like, okay, it's gonna be a lot harder than you think, and I'm really sorry, but remember, Jesus didn't call us an easy life, right? He called yeah. called us a life that like. That of self-giving love. And I do really think that this is part of that, um, especially for a leader in thinking about what is the most self-giving act of love that I can probably do in my own leadership for the congregation and the community I lead in love. I think that it is harder to sit down and really think about how can I actually center discipleship. And if leaders don't do it, intentionally practically put it into their structures really think about who you know all of that right resources all of that then discipleship was just um at best be programmatic Mm -hmm. a one-off kind of a, a class you know a series or a lesson you know uh in the in the the you know a calendar year um or uh, it'll just remain on, on the periphery. Mm-hmm. It will say being that, oh, it just means like grab that one person who's a little bit older than you and, and get into a discipleship, you know, a relationship with that person and it'll just stay there. Yeah. And I just think if, if, if discipleship has so much to do with um, imitation, and a community that is being formed together, so that they're on mission together. If that's what discipleship really, really is, right? Then um, imitation we all know happens from mm. the front. Yeah, people aren't going to church because they want to go and imitate, you know, the person down, down, down the pew from them, or down the seat from them. You know, unconsciously or consciously, people attend and they look at the leader from the at the front and they want to know how can i become more like that person because that person probably is imitating jesus it's not a wrong assumption right But yeah. mm-hmm. most and hopefully right yeah. in 99 percent of cases you know leaders in the church like have this purity of heart they really want to follow hard after jesus right that's why they feel a call that's why they're doing it and they want to know how can we begin to transform and transition transition a community so that they're on mission together for the sake of their neighbors imitating Jesus. I know people want to do that <laughs> yes but I think that the the, the tricky part is, is how right that that is one of the hardest questions to to answer and that's why I think from uh, centering discipleship you know the, the book is called that because we already know. You know, one of the first questions: Do you think discipleship is at the center of your church, and how do you know this? And there actually are metrics and and criteria points to know if something is at the center of your of your community or church or congregation, yeah. or if something else is right. So it, it it helps to clarify it and not help help make us think that like, oh yeah, discipleship is super important uh, to me, but you know, I'm not really quite sure concretely how it's happening. Uh, in my, in my church context. Right. I Mm. want people to be like, I know if it's at the periphery or if it's at the the center, I know where, where discipleship is and how we're moving it. But I do think that if the leader is not at the helm of making discipleship uh, uh, centered in their church, it probably won't happen. Mm. It's not the thing to give off to like, you know, a discipleship pastor, you know, an equipping pastor, you know yeah. there has to be some sort of shared uh, uh responsibility, I think, and calling to be like, okay, if if we change the 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 our our scope and our vision to to center discipleship, then then there has to be structural changes, resourcing changes, you know, um leadership changes, right uh these kinds of things have to happen
0: mm. if we're moving into a different direction because we want to center discipleship. What are some steps that we could take to move uh, our congregation, our church away from uh, what has typically been done and maybe relegated discipleship to a to a class and talking about head knowledge and trying to get information to people into a place where we can imitate others so we can look like Jesus? How can we start to take those steps? What are the things that we need to do to get there?
1: yeah. I think um, that um, if, if leaders focus on three things about, and remember, this isn't about um, uh, how to disciple people. You know, It's not a question about what to disciple people in. I'm, I'm not responding with that. I'm just uh, uh, making a really strong suggestion uh, for leaders that um, if you want to know how to begin to move uh, discipleship from periphery to, to, to centered, um, you, you focus on three things. Um, uh, and I think these are things that only leaders can do, right? If there are, are, are delegatable responsibilities and roles and tasks, please give them away, right? Raise up leaders, you know, uh, uh, through those uh, avenues. But I think this is something, at least in the beginning, if you're moving to, to centering discipleship, that uh, leaders focus on three things. It's um, formation, uh, rhythm, and examples so what I mean by that is formation is do you know and it's okay if it's messy and unclear and it's not perfect or complete from the get-go right uh, but do you know actually what it is that your people probably need to be formed in in the unique local place that you live in and they live in mm. um, understanding what are the pieces of spiritual confidence that they maybe as a as a whole uh, community maybe lacking it are really strong in mm. what are social competencies uh, that as christians in their unique local place that they're strong in or they're a little bit lacking in and really actually have a a a pathway uh discipleship pathway so that uh your people are really formed in your unique location yeah. i think that's super key um so formation. I think the second thing is rhythm. Rhythm has to do with structuring. Rhythm has to do with um, uh, uh, how how much discipleship is is centered in a given uh, calendar year, right? Most people again want to do it in like a Sunday school class or Wednesday night, you know, uh, gathering or 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 sermon series, right? Um, I think that uh, highlighting how and really intentionally being, being mindful of a rhythm for discipleship in, uh, let's say, a 12 or 18 month time frame is really helpful because when you put something in the calendar, it means that you value it. You know, calend- our calendars and our and our, and our and our bank accounts are probably the two main ways to show what a person really values in their life. It shows what we put our time and our resources in, right? And so it's the same for, for a church, right? A church calendar that emphasizes and is intentional about putting discipleship structured into it is, is really key. And then the last part is examples. It means that if people are trying to, if, if discipleship, you know, in a nutshell is imitation, and uh, in the context of community, then uh, we need to know who are the people besides me that other people can actually imitate as they imitate Christ, mm-hmm. right? So I think formation of uh, uh, an intentional rhythm and really setting out um, finding examples in your midst are uh, the first first steps uh, to take.
0: I think those are, are really important and fantastic, and we, I have uh, a good example of that. But I would love to hear, because you're talking about it in a specific place of formation, uh, since you have experience in both Philly and in Hawaii, uh, can you tell me what does it look like then to start to disciple a community in Philadelphia and their specific place and what they need and how they grow and move forward towards Imitation of Christ? and in Hawaii, and their specific place of how they grow as well, and contrast those two.
1: Yeah, I think that's super good. Um, I'll start with an example from Philly, and then I'll give an example from from Hawaii. So um, uh, I grew up in West Philadelphia, and um, uh, the church that we were involved in, so I did a lot of discipleship um, uh, training, uh, in, in the context of West Philadelphia. One of the things that we knew that's unique to West Philly is that but uh, um, while there are neighborhood churches, there are also neighborhood um, um, mosques. So you know, I you know I would live right down the street from from my church, but I also live on the in the opposite direction of my block. I also live uh, uh, a, a street down from a, a mosque. So you know, for 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 us uniquely in that one pocket of neighborhood in West Philadelphia was that our discipleship ought to also include. Uh, some competencies around how do we actually neighbor well uh, with with other other people with other other from other faith backgrounds, right? Yeah. Because we in West Philly, we do live amongst Muslims and Buddhists, and there's a whole hodgepodge of pe- people mm-hmm. who live there, right? Internationally, right? There's a huge um, Ethiopian um, uh, uh, refugee population in in West Philadelphia at that time and so we had to know very concretely who our neighbors were yeah if you ask that question it has to also include do i actually know anything about islam do i know actually anything culturally about about ethiopians right Mm, those are competencies that help uh every disciple in our church know how to neighbor and not just be like how do i uh, uh tell somebody about the roman road okay and then you know what if the person you're talking to has no idea what you're talking about Yeah, you know do you even know do you even you know i think one of the number one questions about about christians is like that i ask is i'm like you know one way that you know if your people are being discipled is do they actually have non-jesus following friends yeah if they don't if they don't there is a lack of a social competence. They may know everything about the Bible, but they may be lacking in a social competence about how to actually love their neighbors. Yeah, you know. So, so I, I think, um, West Philly, Philly, was unique because of the the actual location, right? I think another another thing about, um, uh, Philly is that, um, the the, the formation piece, um, uh, I can include, um, other, um, uh, books. People love to read, right? Especially West Philly, the place I, that that I lived in, was right next to University of Pennsylvania. So there's a lot of like scholarly-minded people, right? People yeah. love to to read it and and consume information, right? All those kinds of things. So you know, it was helpful that that you know that uh, that discipleship pathway could include a lot of other readings so that everyone could like there could be readings about uh, from an apostolic leader there could be readings from a prophetic leader right yeah. Th- those kinds of things so that people be like yeah there are loads of other people that i could i can also imitate mm-hmm. it's not just one person yeah. so that was helpful it's a very 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 well read um neighborhood super diverse internationally a uh, faith-wise neighborhood in west philly you know, fast forward years later, and here I am in Honolulu, and it's very different Um uh, there isn't a huge value in Hawaii about how well read you are, but it is more of a value about how you are as a as a, a family member. Mm. Um, ha- you know, have you been that person who has been a-, a faithful friend since you know your friends from middle school? Right. These are the things people care about. the 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 thing that people ask I- in Hawaii is, um, "Hey, are you from here?" And what high school did you graduate from? People don't care if you what college you went to, you yeah. know, and none of those things. They just want to know where did you grow up, you know, and and you know what, where, which high school did you graduate from, you know. Um, so, so there is a huge value for a long time loyalty of relationships right mm-hmm. and so you know the the competent a uh, uh, different social competence for uh Jesus followers here imitating Jesus here in Hawaii is that can you actually have room to have new relationships yeah. if god's family is constantly growing if god's whole point is is constantly bringing in new adoptions every single day right that that's yeah. like how the kingdom of god grows right then do you actually have room to have relationships and deeper relationships and care and compassion for new people, yes, those people who have transitioned mm. to Hawaii—that you kind of give stink eyes sometimes because you know you don't know you don't know how long they're going to stay for, right? But but do you, can, because you imitate Jesus, will you be a person who is a little bit countercultural and love your new neighbors? Yeah, you know, and not just your your friends from 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 high school, right? So that is a that is a a. a a, a difference um in Hawaii I think another part is um how to, um, you know, one of my big, big things is, uh, and, you know, you know, I, I say in the book that, oh, everybody has a unique way to, to form their discipleship pathway. But I'm just going to tell you right now, Joshua Johnson, that if you don't have a way to put the full gospel into that equipping formational piece for every uh, follower of Jesus in your context, you're missing something. I'm just going to say that, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. but how you do it how you do it the method you do it by is going to be very unique to your place yeah. so um hawaii comes from from a history of a lot of um, um oral language, oral storytelling. So the way that that um, you know, I would be equipping a group, a community of people here in Hawaii through how, how did they grow their competence in the full gospel, it's really, really different than people in, in West Philadelphia. People in West Philadelphia, they want to know predominantly the history of it. They want to understand what, what does redemption mean. They want to know what, what those words are, the history behind it, why did it have to be sacrificial, right? They want to learn more about um, Jewish history, actually, because there are Jewish people who live in West Philadelphia. They have yeah. Jewish people as friends. We don't really have that here in Hawaii, right? They don't really care that much about the historical perspective of it. They don't, but they really care about how we tell a story. Yeah, and so we 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 spend a lot more time about can, are you able to. um I know that you have been growing in and being formed in the ways of Jesus uh, through the full gospel because you begin, one, you're able to articulate it in your own words. You practice telling it to to a friend or a family member, you know, um, and you can take pieces from the full gospel that applies to your own life and you can share about them. So a lot of it is more revolved around storytelling. And all of a sudden people actually do it. Every single disciple in in our church here in Hawaii uh, from eight years old and up. <laughs> 'Cause we make me make the discipleship pathway easy enough for an eight year old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh to to the eighty-six year old, you know, um uh um grandmother, you know, um uh in 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 our community. Everybody knows how to share the full gospel in their own words. Mm-hmm. They have a commonality in 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 knowing which pieces are key, but they also don't have to have the fret of do I know the Bible enough? That's like yeah. a big thing in Hawaii. Oh, I don't know because I don't know the Bible enough, right? Uh, I don't know the history enough, right? I don't know what these words mean enough. So it's just taking away that, I think, intellectual stigma, mm. you know, uh, yep. or, or that, that, that biblical scholar barrier away so that people can actually live into what does it look like mm. to live into the gospel in your real, real life.
0: Yeah. And I think what you're what you're saying is uh, profound for all of us. Is try to figure out a way for our discipleship pathway to be fully encompassing uh, Jesus, His gospel, and the way that He has called us to live, uh, and keep it simple enough where an eight year old could do it, um, but make it in such a way where it could actually then grow into a mind the depth and understanding of those. Ways where it could be like you could study for, for years uh, in in Philadelphia on one of the commands of Jesus and never hit the bottom of it, but to be able to follow it, uh, storytell to to walk in what how do we live this out in the story of our community? It's simple enough that that eight year olds can do it and follow it, but it is deep enough where we could mine the depths. Forever and not really get to the bottom of it, and continue to grow uh, in loving maturity towards Jesus and imitating Him.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? If if the the misperception about discipleship that that it is a programmatic thing then our assumption is going to be that it needs to be one and done people go through a program and then they're fully discipled and then we never have to do formation again and and off they go and people never learn that way but if we actually think about it if discipleship is really meant to be in the context of community a community grows together Mm -hmm. Your, your your hope and expectation is that if you're a jesus following community that is is focused and really um a uh, faithful to the the neighborhood that you live in, there is an expectation, there should be an expectation that you're going to be there for a long time. That's your hope, right? We want to see the flourishing of our neighborhoods and, and neighbors and cities together in our time, right? That's yeah. what we want to see. If that's happening, that pressure of saying that everything needs to be complete in, you know, 12 months time um, in a formation way, uh, it, 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 that goes. That gets thrown out the window. Yeah. We we purposely go through the same um, themes in our discipleship pathway every single year. Yeah. But because there's an expectation of longevity of a community, mm-hmm. um, be- because our um, this context in my current context in our church path, we do we do missional community models. So they're all you know dispersed uh, throughout Oahu. Um, in different neighborhoods. There's a, a center discipleship core. There's a center group of disciples yeah. um, who are committed to uh, uh, an identified space of mission or, or a neighborhood or a community. So if they're all do, doing this, they, like, for instance, one of our um, missional communities, they are, um, this year uh they're just gonna focus on um the theme of thick community what mm-hmm. does it mean to actually be uh uh because we're imitating jesus you know and a really important part is the world will not know who we who he is mm-hmm. unless we figure out how it is to actually love one another right if jesus is banking his entire ministry you know you know on this point that we better know how to actually do this so one of the missional communities is just focusing on that for the entire year, they're just focusing on, do we know how to love one another? Loving one another means that we enter into conflict bravely. <laughs> we don't dismiss it. Hawaii culture loves to avoid conflict, you know, but we're going to be counterculture. We're going to try to enter into it. We're going to be equipped to having words to know how to do mm-hmm. this well together, honor one another in it, right? Uh, those kind of kinds of things. We're actually going to use... um uh uh there there's a term uh, in Hawaiian culture called ho'oponopono, which means that uh, of reconciliation it's yeah. actually a Hawaiian cultural term that when there's conflict within the family they bring a leader in called an ali'i and they have that that conflict you know uh vented out on the floor and then they all walk into the ocean mm. and they 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 dunk themselves in and then the, the 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 symbol is that okay now this grievance is washing away we're able to borrow that concept that's so so clear in 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 Hawaii yeah. and bring it into you know it, you know if you understand that i wonder what what it means to imitate jesus in ho'oponopono practice it mm. means truly forgiving you know it means that um you don't just need another leader to do this with you you can do this right you yeah. you can do this w- with with a family member it doesn't have to just be close family members you mm-hmm. can do this with you can actually do this with your friends you can do this with your coworkers you
0: can do this in your church
1: you, you know like yeah. it, you know those kinds of concepts so they, it's really beautiful that, that that's what they want to focus on this year mm.
0: and i i love that and you're you're even hitting on something that's even more uh centered on discipleship and not on the the core leader or leadership or corporate gathering. Uh, You're talking about missional communities. So they're actually doing something that is very specific to their place and their community, even though you have a local larger community. So you're getting even more particular into those areas and you've set up a discipleship pathway in a place that where you can can actually take a hold of one of these commands of love one another uh, and go deep in that and figure that out. And this is what we need to be doing as a community. This is really important for people to, to know that uh, it's not just a method, uh, but there are principles in it that people could take and go deep uh, when they want to, and it needs to be particular to their place. Uh, but that also requires trust. And I think a lot of people hold on for a long time because they don't want to give away trust in discipleship. They want to control because it means that it is less messy. How can we step into the mess and know that we're going to get our hands dirty and it's going to, you know, we're going to have to change? dirty diapers, there's all sorts of things we're going to have to do. But trust in a way that, hey, the Holy Spirit has them and they can start to grow up towards Jesus. And we don't have to control every aspect, but we do have to to help them figure out what does it look like to follow and imitate Jesus.
1: Yeah, I think that this is probably um, the 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 factor of trust is probably the reason why, Uh, Discipleship can't be programmatic, yeah, or this one-off thing, right? Uh, If we're really, really hoping that the people that God has given us to lead and love are actually going to be transformed, you know, um, um, within our communities, right? Um, Then uh, trust has to be huge, um, and trust isn't easily won you can't just expect it right especially in this postmodern world right you can't just expect that because you know b- because i'm in the role that i am and i have this title or because you know god's word says so that's why or you know it's not convincing enough not anymore right yep. um and so i think the trust part is uh about how do you it, and this is where that rhythm part comes in mm-hmm. right it's not just about formation but it's that rhythm part um As leaders, do we have intentional rhythms so that it gives, it provides uh, enough uh, time together and a a personal experience that these people are going to have that grows their trust. And I think that this doesn't have to be the only way, uh, but I do think that this is a very, very effective way to do it. If you, just like many, many things, if not all things in the kingdom of God, it always starts out so small. Yeah right? There's such a big value point to that, right? Um, uh, for, for us, uh, for example, for us in, in um, uh, my local context, we start out um, each discipleship core that it's closed on purpose because a closed group that's learning together, uh, for closed for depending on that missional community, we're either closed for 12 months or 18 months going through a discipleship pathway together um, in a, a very set rhythm. Um, if it's closed, it means that you are you are committing to this group that I know it's not going to change for the next 12 to 18 months. It may change after that. I'm a little scared about that. But at least for now, in the, in the 12 to 18 months now, I know that nothing's going to go out of this room. That these are the people i'm going to be growing with we're learning at the same pace and the yeah. same uh, information where we're we're, we're 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 being messy and trial and error with the same yeah. group of people and that helps people to experience trust uh, it also makes it so that these people if you're if you're trusting one another, it also means that you're going to be trustworthy enough to be on mission together, to mm-hmm. care for other people, right? Like the, the, the mess and trial and error doesn't happen in like the learning part within a discipleship core. It's the going out together part into mm-hmm. the neighborhood, right? That's, that's the part. But then you can bring all those experiences back in a very trusting uh, environment yeah. um, in that discipleship core because it's closed. Mm. You, you know so I think I think um having you know a, a lot of times when I'm when I'm doing this kind of work with um, remissioning pastors so it's in an established church we we did a remissioning process with a, uh, my first uh, church plan was not a missional community based church plan mm. it was a Sunday worship service centric we started it, it was awesome Started with 20 people at five years time grew to 450 people it was amazing but we knew that we needed to change something because we started asking that discipleship question. Mm. Yeah. Are our people, people are, you know, growing, the seats are being filled. It's amazing. We're gonna have a third service now. It's so great. Um, But are our people actually being discipled? How do we know that this is happening? And we couldn't answer it. And then that's when we started changing up our our rhythm a little bit more. Uh, We took one summer where we took all of our um, small group leaders and we're like, this is a great uh, experimental uh, group to start with. So we took them. in summertime, most people take breaks. They just wanted to have barbecues anyway. Awesome. Keep having your barbecues, you know, with with <laughs> with, with your with your small groups. But come, come to yep. a training with us for every single week for 12 weeks. So we did mm-hmm. that on purpose. We knew that they were a, a certain level of leaders already. Um, but we also wanted to tran- begin to transform our small group leaders that they're not small group leaders because they're great at facilitating or hosting. Right. We want to transform them so that they're actually discipled people who are making more disciples. Yeah. So we, we took them out on purpose just as an experiment for the summer, uh, every single week for twelve weeks, and we disciple them on very, very this is the first time we're trying trying this out, right? <laughs> just just very simple concepts. Okay, the full gospel. What does it mean to be in a thick community? What does it mean to be personally connected to Jesus? Do people understand um how to have a heart for others, right? Who are not Jesus followers? Do people know? Know what their p- place in the kingdom of God really is. Just yeah. those kind of simple themes, and ran it ran it through them. Uh, and then after that summer, in the fall, we did a purposeful. Um, from the front, it, you know, on the pulpit uh, uh, for, for the next three months, for a whole quarter, all we did was center um, the small groups on purpose to begin to tell stories about how, hey, what if these, these community groups or these family groups, ohana groups, whatever you want to call them, right? Uh, the, these pods of people who are getting together to read the Bible together, maybe go through a book, you know, maybe make some new friends. What if these groups actually turned into missional communities? where they're in the neighborhood that they're in, not just because it's the closest place that a small group is being hosted, oh. but what if it's because it's a gathering place to begin to think uh, on behalf of that neighborhood, right? We started cha- changing that. We did like, you know, 15-minute a minute talks on it, and then open up the 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 whole um, lobby area, set up cafe tables, all the small group leaders—we just call them circle leaders—were uh, were, were there. And then for the rest of the la- you know, remaining forty-five minutes, the whole point of the service was that people uh, mingled, got to know, saw wh- wh- which neighborhoods they they have these groups, right? Those kinds of things, yeah. so that we could gather people. And then the next year would be about how to disciple everyone mm. at the same time through the small group leaders honestly through that time we you know statistically speaking you know uh your if your church is you know small group uh, attendance is like hitting like that 30 percent mark of your regular sunday uh, service attendance you're doing great you're like you're like you're like hitting that target right uh for, for us we we were averaging 85 mm-hmm. percent of our church congregation being a part of these circle groups because we, we we pushed it so that it's going to change into a missional community small group leaders are going to be disciple makers discipling these groups right um and then at, at some some weeks we actually had like more attendance in our small group uh, uh, um, ministries than we did on the Sunday service. So I do think, you know, probably one of the biggest cr- uh, uh, critiques uh, of of my book is going to be, oh, no, this is only going to work for, for church plans. It's really easy to do when you're starting from scratch. I understand that. I hear that loud and clear. I've done both. Yeah. It can be done. In an already established uh, remissioning church way, I just think Mm -hmm. the difference is just like it also cannot be done in a church plant uh, scenario also. I just think that it depends on the leader if they're actually going to focus on centering uh, discipleship or not.
0: Yeah. Uh, Back in 2019, about a year before the pandemic hit uh, our our church, we, we heard from Jesus and he said, get rid of the building um and go on this journey around the city split up into home churches um and we were doing missional communities before we had a, a heart for a we want all of life to be following Jesus we want to be in the homes we want to do things but we were doing a lot of traditional you know Sunday morning services and and people were gathering and they loved that but when Jesus said get rid of the building and then go around to different places in the city and we're going to just follow him Uh, And trying to figure this out, um, it's taken a a few years, but once the pandemic hit, we were already in in home churches and we never had to do some like videos on a screen, but we could actually just gather in in home churches and, and discuss what needed to be discussed. And then we, you know, as we're working through, what does it look like to be in the homes? And then to gather corporately once a month. So that's our our rhythm right now is we're we're in the homes three times a, a month, and we're gathering corporately once a month. Um, so we have our, our formation pathway, our discipleship pathway. Uh, we call it the following Jesus pathway. Um, and you could walk through, talk through the gospel and the gifts and the and who we are as our identity and baptism. and then we go through the commands of Jesus and all sorts of things. So we have our our pathway. Uh, which is great. And then our rhythm, we're, you know, we're a prayerful family on mission. This is our, this is who we are. So we have uh, in the year, we have prayer, a prayer quarter, a family quarter, a mission quarter, and then a rule of life quarter as we're setting those things up. So we have our rhythm as we're going in and, and walking through these past places. And, you know, one of the things is now, I think what we're trying to do is trying to connect people with examples of what it looks like to imitate Jesus um, and figuring it out. That mission is really about uh, walking with Jesus and who I am is my identity of like, who did God create me to be. And if I bring that to every place that I'm at, I could be on mission with him because I'm bringing my purpose and calling and who I am. And we could do that as a home church and community, what that looks like. But then, so how do we connect? That's the question, I think, especially within missional communities, as we're spread out. How do we get those examples? um, And how do we connect people into a place where, oh, you guys have the same heart uh, for this specific type of mission over here. And this person is actually doing it, doing it well looking like Jesus, how do we connect those people when they're dispersed among different missional communities around the city or the area that you are a part of?
1: Joshua Johnson, I wish that all churches were already, you guys are, then I would have, re- have written a completely different book and maybe had even more fun writing it because this is the stuff that the only things I really want to talk about, you, you know, is when churches get to this level, I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, praise Jesus, you know, that's what I feel like. So thank you, you know. um yeah, I, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. I always want to add one more piece and say, a uh, discipleship without mission is discipleship without Christ. Yeah. So, and you know, it, it went when discipleship is very programmatic and this this one-off kind of thing at the periphery, then it becomes so much more in- instructional. It only stays with identity pieces at best. Right. It feels mm-hmm. it feels really good to me and for me when it's a, like a really good program. Right. Um, but I'm just like, that's no different from any self-help you know, thing that like I'm sure somebody will think that like, oh, pick up my book because it's going to be a self-help thing about personal discipleship. No, it's not. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, I, I think that I think that the actual transformation happens when uh, imitating Jesus compels a person to actually want to move towards their neighbor in real life Mm -hmm. not just um, not just in prayer not just in um, being able to Uh, maybe read the Bible with them but it actually transforms them to be like you know I'm going to imitate the life of Jesus the death of Jesus the resurrection of Jesus it means I need to move towards my neighbors I have to know who they are right those kinds of things and it takes really gutsy leaders to do it I'll give you an example from one of our our mission leader uh, community leaders because um, she's probably one of the best examples in our community Mm. Um, and she would never say that she is and probably would be like having a, you know a whole thing right now. <laughs> um, her name is Kelsey. I write a lot about her uh, in the book but basically uh, she she had um, a a community people it was it was a small group and she was a small group leader. she really she's um, uh, a, a an, um, an evangelist prophet um a uh, wiring. So she loves the outsider, has a social justice bent, right? Deep connection with God, right? There there's a sense of rightness and wrongness, right? Uh, um she also happens to be a hospice care nurse. Um mm. and uh, so that that that's that's her in a nutshell, right? So she's leading this group that's doing predominantly, you know, a Bible study kind of thing. People feel really great. It's growing because people are are really great, feel really great. Uh, Kelsey's a really good host, right? All those kinds of things. People feel like they're forming friendships. Um, uh, a, a few years ago, Kelsey really felt. You know, one of the questions that we always ask all of our leaders is like, "What you know, the, the vi- vision it can be shared amongst yeah. all of our, our missional communities, but what is it uniquely that you feel like God is calling your community to in your identified space of mission?" And a few years ago, Kelsey really felt a call that um, to uh, we call them kupuna. in in Hawaii. It's it's seniors or elders. Mm-hmm. Um, She's a hospice care nurse for crying out loud. Of yeah. course she loves the elderly, right? The grandmas and grandpas in society. But she this this person loves them. Mm. You, you know. Yeah. Um, and she really felt a call. And she really felt a call that like it should not be just a personal invitation on her life. She wanted to invite her entire group. She is not the person to do that. She's never she felt she took almost half a year before she had the courage to share this vision. You know, with 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 her community, and she did it because, um, you know, rejection is a hard thing to face for probably 100% of society. She faced it. She lost half her group because people mm. did not want to go, and it was very painful. Yeah. But all the way, we just we kept telling her, "Kals, you know, if just if your discipleship does not have mission involved in it, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, you're just filling up, forming a really nice social club, right?" Yeah. And so um, now fast forward, you know, many years later, and here she is, um, she, her group, um, has doubled. There are two different mm-hmm. missional communities uh, now. Uh, we they have identified 500 uh, seniors in low income living facilities and wow. amongst three different uh, low income uh, living facilities. During uh, all the pandemic, the, that group um, made sure that every single 500 resident uh, received one month's worth of groceries every single uh, month for 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 the throughout the entire pandemic. We just partnered and partnered and partnered with mm-hmm. with different groups. Um, just so that the kupuna did not have to take a bus to go to the food bank to pick up two cans cans of food and then get back on the bus and get mm-hmm. back into the, to their place. These people would call the kupuna every single week. Their whole vision is that will the kupuna and Kaka'ako, that part of the, the neighborhood, know that they are seen and loved and that they really matter. Right. And if that's the thing. All of a sudden she's grown it. Now they actually do discipleship cores within the Kapuna. So now Kapuna are discipling uh their their neighbors together. But this is this has been years in the making. I would have rather that group split up those years ago and have Kelsey go through that painful process mm. because she stuck to that vision. She thought about formation. She thought about a rhythm and she thought about is there a future way that um, there is an example of disciple makers mm. within the low income kapuna facilities in kakakō in honolulu can mm-hmm. that actually happen one day and it has yeah. you know so i think i think she is, is an amazing example but examples aren't made overnight yeah. that's the thing right that's the part about are there pieces of stories that that we can highlight as main leaders amongst the leaders we know i think one part of my job is I just sit down with my leaders on a regular basis so I can hear their stories because their people are shy. People are kind of shy. They don't want to, you know, these the people who are living on mission, they are not going to tout themselves. They're not Mm -hmm. going to go and, and do a whole big announcement about their lives. They actually think that their lives are small. Most of these people are actually imitating Jesus this way, right? And so I feel like as my role, what I can do in this season where this isn't a norm is how do I get my entire community to know how to recognize and celebrate the people who are those we should be imitating uh, as they imitate Christ, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to be imitating the people who are the best communicators that the best singers, the best, you know, people connectors, we're not, we're not celebrating those people. We're celebrating the people who are discipling groups of people yeah. who have been faithful to an identified face of mission. You know, when Kelsey goes through her neighbor, she loves to bike on purpose through that neighbor to go say hi to everybody. Just check, Okay, does Uncle Joe have coffee today? You know, those kinds of things. Yeah. She's doing this every single person knows every single mm-hmm. one of those discipleship core members by name wow. They're a member of that neighborhood. They know who to go to. They know that they have an entire community of real community. Mm. You know, they know that they're not going to be in need. Right. Like, yeah. I'm like, how is that not the kingdom of God, yep. you know, growing in, in, in that neighborhood?
0: Mm. That's great. I wish we had uh, a lot more time. Uh, but we don't. But I do have a couple questions at the end here. One, if you go back to your 21 year old self, what advice would you give?
1: Ah, uh, be like courageous enough to not do one on one discipleship. <laughs> maybe just yeah. start out with like maybe um, if there are three people who want to be discipled uh, by you because they see something in you, all those kinds of things. Gather maybe three people minimum and at least start there. Starting small in discipleship as just a lay person, a non-leader, a person, you know, you know, everybody in the church, right? Maybe begin to be like, and be be honest, I'm not really sure how to do this, but at least we have a lot more visibility. We can learn it grow together and then those three people actually won't just be coming to you to to think that you're the one and only person who can disciple them, right? They learn actually how to do that mess of community together in a smaller group. Those people experiencing that will probably begin to uh, spread that out in their own communities. Mm-hmm. They'll only think that discipleship happens best within a community context. Um, I think uh, for my 21-year-old self, I think thinking about not gaining as much wealth of knowledge as possible Mm. means that I'm a better Christian. I think it's knowing how do I actually have social competencies, you know, that uh, helps me to live out and practice how I'm following Jesus in my own internal Mm. life, right? Like that there should be a place for an external life that shows is my internal life actually being transformed uh, by by Jesus, right? I, I think that those kinds of things, because if a twenty one year old is is beginning to disciple groups of people, small pods, and is thinking about mission in their own personal rhythm, can you imagine what they're going to be like thirty one, forty one, fifty yeah. one? We're going to be raising you know these emerging leaders to already be people who are the examples we need in in our churches.
0: Amen. That would be great. Uh, anything you've been reading or watching lately you could recommend.
1: Oh my gosh, uh you mean like like other things besides Nerd of the Rings, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um
1: I I will I will say uh um just cuz uh, you and I know uh both know uh, uh, J.R. J. Woodward. Um uh, I did get to read his advanced copy, you know, for um The Scandal of of Leadership and honestly, I just think that um uh it just makes me me tear up now Mm. i just think that if we uh, as leaders in particular don't know how to um contend with our own leadership struggles and be very very aware of how um in our culture especially today right a domineering leadership is something that as long as you're not caught or exposed maybe that is a better way to lead right that that is that that temptation Mm. Um, you know, obviously, that way will never work in a discipleship model, especially when you're trying to make other disciple makers, right? So I just I think I think that um, being able to wrestle through our identity as leaders in a very, very confronting, realistic, exposing, um, repenting way is actually going to make it so that wouldn't you want to imitate? Others who are imitating Jesus from how they're actually repenting and um, wanting to be servant yeah. leaders, you know, and not dominating a leader. So mm. I think um, it's it's coming out this this month. So I'm I'm super stoked uh, for it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's great, fantastic recommendation. Uh, how can people connect with you and get your book?
1: Yeah, um, you can go on IVP's uh, website for it, Centering Discipleship. You can just go on uh, centeringdiscipleship.com and have all the links. Um, the ebook is, is coming out, um, made available April 26th which is so awesome. Um you can pre-order for um all the the print books uh, coming out July 11th and I think if you reach out to me um is giving like a huge discount if you if you pre-order now and there's like a a, a free sample thing you're going to get also like a bonus uh material if you if you get it. So I think it's like 30% off if you pre-order. Um
0: uh that's nice. so. That That'd be that's awesome. Now go get the book Centering Discipleship. It's a is a fantastic book. I love the all of your tables uh and charts and the ways that we could figure out, hey, there's a, some empty spaces so we could write down our own little discipleship pathway and start to work through it ourselves and to figure out are we you know where is the place where we need to have bounded sets and then centered sets for mission um, and it's really helpful as you're walking through the book and and reading it. So it's not just a a, a place where you could read, but it's also a place where you could actually, it into practice, and so I really appreciated that about your book. Um, and I think uh, a lot of people would do really well to get the book uh, and put it into practice. Center discipleship, um, and say this is the thing that we want to make Jesus the center. We want to imitate Him together in community, community, so that we could have an impact in the world, and we could be on mission together, and we could see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. So thank you so much for this conversation. It was fantastic. I loved it. So thank you. No
1: problem. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And not just in Kansas City and Honolulu, right? That's right. (laughs) To the ends of the earth. Amen. (laughs)